When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The best in college football. The best in college sports. This is College Sports Now. All right, it's New Year's Eve. We're getting ready to say goodbye to 2020. Thank God. We got our man Wayne Cook hanging out in sunny Southern California. Wayne's living the good life. He played golf yesterday. So, all right, Wayne, what'd you shoot, buddy? Let's talk about it. 78. 78. Like, when I had talked to you, I had just hit a wedge to within tapping distance for a birdie. And I hit a drive right down the middle on a dog leg left, and I had another wedge in, and I hit it, and I almost made it. Right after I got a phone with you, right after we talked, I almost made it. So I had back-to-back birdies, so I'm thinking I'm going low. Right now, granted, you should know, I started off the day with four straight bogeys and was <laughs> and was losing. And I was kind of pissed off. You know how you have that when you when you get all excited? Because I haven't played golf in a while. Once football starts, I, I slow down quite a bit. It's not a bad thing, by the way. Sometimes a break is... You no, know, it is. That's that's true. But I, I, I'm sitting there and I go out, I've got four straight bogeys and I can't really think of too many bad shots. I just wasn't scoring. I just, for whatever reason, I wasn't scoring. So I, I get that. I make two birdies in a row. I kind of go from being in last in my group to, to either tied or, or in the lead. And anyway, long story short, I had a double bogey on the back nine on a par five that kind of hurt my round. I ended up shooting a, a, a par five too, which is a bummer. Shot a 78 and tied, and then we played three extra holes because I was playing with someone that, that worked at the course. Played three extra holes like a playoff like because it was getting dark, and uh, the, the two, two of us that were tied, my buddy JD and I, uh, we went one under in those three holes and tied again. I don't think that's ever happened, and we played a lot of golf together. Wow. So Wayne played 21 holes of golf yesterday in California. Uh, today, the high temperature for us in North Carolina is going to be right around 37. It's going to be <laughs> it's going to be raining all weekend. So good for yeah. you, man. I'm I'm glad no, no, no. That you're able to get out. So hey, so just so you know, 
it's been cold. Like it was like 50. Like the and now, granted, when the sun's out in California, it never feels like that. But it was it was in the 50s. Uh, two days ago, we had um, we had hail. Made we, we had our first rain of the year. It's been really dry out in California, and it, it hailed it really good. Like to where there was actually the hail like stayed on the ground. It like covered the ground. It was it was a uh, it was an interesting day. So we had one day of rain so far this year. Well, we're we're gonna talk. Uh, we're gonna talk Boku football. Lots of lots of football talk coming. Phil Steele's gonna be swinging by here in about twenty five minutes. We'll run through the New Year's six games with him. Get Phil's official thoughts on uh, on the college football playoff, whether he thinks either one of these games is going to be competitive. Uh, and we'll talk plenty about this. Uh, I would be remiss, though, Wayne. I, I didn't get a chance to talk to you around Christmas. Everybody, you had a good holiday? Wayne, the Cook household? Oh, yeah. Everybody's all right? Okay, good. Yeah, everybody, listen, you know what's, you know what's worrying me? And it worries me about a lot of stuff. But, like, there's a lot of craziness in the world right now. Like, California's and in, in, in everywhere. We're just, it's, we're in a bad place with COVID. I mean, it's... It's it's kind of out of control right now, and it's 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 scary to think about. We know people that have been, and and local hospitals are visit are been by them, and you know people are intense outside. You talked about the cold. It's it's crazy, and you know when we all talk about everybody's getting excited about 2020 being over. It's it's not over though. 2021 isn't gonna make COVID go away. So like I know we have a vaccine coming. And I know some people are getting it already. Um, you know, you, you're hearing stories about a new strand of the COVID. Now someone in Colorado caught it. I guess it was in another country first. Was it Was it Great Britain? Where, I don't know where it was. But there, there's there, this thing is uh, we still have to be diligent. Let's just put it that way. I mean, I could see this trickling in uh, to next fall. For, you know what I mean? Like, like we just assume that next fall is going to be back to normal. But I think we got a ways to go. Dude, I, I mean, I, I think everybody hopes, like everybody is optimistic that we can have a, and look, coronavirus is obviously touching a lot more than just the, the college sports arena. Right. Uh, that's just the bubble that we talk about and, and kind of operate in. Um, but yeah, man, everybody's just optimistic and hopeful that we'll have stadiums full of people next year. But it's, I mean, you, you may have to show up with a ticket and like, a proof that you've been vaccinated if you want to enter a <laughs> yeah. stadium next year, man. Like that might be a real that, that might be a right. very real thing. Like, do you have a card? Do you have some proof of vaccination? Because we're not going to let you come in here and mingle around tens of thousands of other people uh, wow. if that's not the case. Like, it's gonna it's still gonna be it's still gonna be different. There's no doubt about that. I don't think masks are going away uh, anytime soon just because we flip over the calendar to 2021. H- having right. said all of that, though. Um, I want to talk a little football with you because, you know, the bowl games are starting to ramp up in a very big way over the next several days. We've obviously got the college football playoff, the Rose Bowl, which is obviously not being played at the Rose Bowl. It's at Jerry's World in Arlington, but Alabama, Notre Dame, the undercard, the early game, four o'clock Eastern kick on Friday, and then Ohio State Clemson in the Sugar Bowl. That's an eight o'clock Eastern kick. Uh, we'll talk about those games a little bit later. I've already got Roddy Jones' official score predictions for both of those, Wayne. So I'm not going <laughs> to let you out of here until you give me really? your official score predictions. Yeah, man, come on. We're gonna, score we're, score we're predictions are come on. Hey, Steven. So score predictions are 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 crazy. There, I mean, it, have you ever thought? I mean, of all the years, like if you actually went, I know that you're, you know, you you listen to Phil with your notepad out, or you're like recording everything or whatever, so you can make sure you make the the proper bets. So, so like totals and numbers matter to you quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, 
for me, man, it's like picking a score. This is hard because it, it's kind of like it's kind of like politics to me because people get in your ear so much and try to convince you. Like right now, like my biggest dilemma right now, thinking not just the bowl games, but thinking about the playoffs. My biggest dilemma is, and the one thing that I keep coming back to is Notre Dame did beat Clemson. Like I think we're forgetting that. Within a, within a week, when people were saying Trevor Lawrence, you know, was out, but Uyunglele threw for four hundred something yards and had an amazing game. So so Notre Dame did beat. A, and and we've all talked about why Trevor Lawrence matters. It's more than 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 just numbers. It's it's getting into the right plays. It's having the full playbook. It's like there's a lot, and and we saw it. And and but in these playoffs, I think most of us including me and I'm I'm sure you have it being Clemson Alabama again. True? Very true. Yeah. Very true, right? And that's the true. Yes. Right. It, it's not even a it's like yeah, that's that's the way it's going to be. Ohio State recruits extremely well. They have talent. They've played good enough to win all their games. But we live in an era where the the, the visual of winning all your games isn't enough anymore. I mean, Oklahoma, according to a lot of people, like if, if, if we don't even talk about them. They, they won the Big 12 and, in my opinion, had an amazing season because they lost two games early, right? Didn't they lose two of their first three? Yeah, and they they've, battled, they've won and they seven battled. in a row. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're and, and, one of the nation's hottest teams. Right, and they battled back and won. Like, I, I love that world. Like, you know me. I love the world where you can slip up and still make it, which – which I like. I actually don't like undefeated teams in college football. I, to me, that that should only happen once. That should be like you know, sp, you know, spotting Bigfoot or a unicorn. That should only happen every once in a while. So, so, so to me, I want I want Ohio State to play well. I love what's going on right now with with uh, <laughs> with 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 Dabo. I mean, you hear the sound bites over and over and over again, and I wonder if anybody's going to bring this up, talking about number of games played. I wonder if if anybody will say, hey, Dabo, well, what about the fact that the ACC and the SEC only play eight conference games? Does that matter to you? Because it's one less conference game, and that kind of matters to a lot of people. Um, what about the fact that your Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback missed a couple of games? Does that matter? I mean, I, trust me, I had to weigh, weigh this as a Heisman voter because I think Trevor Lawrence is the best player in the country. That was like a huge issue for me. Because and it wasn't about just the stats; it was about the missed games, and so you know. And, and to be honest with you, that crushed Justin Fields, crushed him. Not that he's, you know what I mean. Like he, he needed more games because he would have had better stats against you know lesser opponents as the year progressed. But there's a sometimes I think we look at things from our perspective, and maybe you know I and, you know Dabo's kind of said he's not insulting Ohio State, but and, and by the way, I don't think this affects the game at all. I, you know, it's kind of funny that people love to, to throw out the whole, this is bulletin board material. <laughs> Shut up. It's a playoff game. You don't think these guys care? Like in that game, like, and you know what's funny is I used to say that all the time because I actually believe that all athletes, I truly believe this. I, I was, because of the way my mind works, I actually at one point in time in my life believed that every single athlete, every time they played, wanted to win more than anything else. I truly believe that. 
Now I, I don't believe that anymore. I think a lot of athletes just want to have stats and look good and make it to the NFL. I know that sounds terrible that I just said that, but I do think there's a lot of athletes that aren't just about winning all the time. And we're, we see that with all the opt-outs and people. Worry. And by the way, and I know I'm, I'm rambling a lot. This is like my, my little news headline thing. But it does suck when you're watching Colorado and, and Texas or you're watching Miami in a bowl game and you see big-time players get hurt. It sucks. I mean, it sucks. But remember, if you watch Colorado, Texas last night, and by the way, you knew, I mean, Texas is the better team. I'm, I'm not, please don't insult the Pac-12 over that. Colorado had a good year, but Colorado wasn't ready for that matchup. That was a bad matchup, you know, for them. They were, they were going to lose, but they hung in there, but they also did it without Nate Landman. Now, Nate, late Nate Landman is one of the best defensive players in the Pac-12, and he had a pretty bad injury earlier in the year. So, like, football, it doesn't matter if it's the first game or a bowl game. You're always at risk for injury. And, 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 and you know me, like, once you lose a couple of games, are we going down a road? down Because down, not just people opting out. But I know we had one player that didn't even – that the thing going around on social media opted out at halftime. But I, I, I heard that that was preplanned, so who knows. But the idea is, is that are we going to go down the road, and I think it's already happened a few times, where players during the season, if their team's out of it, says, I'm done. Yeah, we had, we, had, we had a few of those with LSU this year, you know, yeah. I mean, de- defending national champs. You, the, you, you know, you get off to a rough start, and, and by the time October, November rolled around, you had guys that had started the season pretty much be like, I'm good. Uh, look, the Oklahoma State-Miami game, you mentioned the Cheez-It Bowl and, and seeing yep. De'Ara King get, get get knocked out of that game with, you know, you never want to see a guy get injured, but especially when do, it's a do knee. We know? And it's, do we know? Because it, it didn't look a, like it was as bad. It didn't look like he twisted it. Did it look like that to you? I mean, it buckled a little bit. I, little here's bit. the thing. At, at, we, we're recording the show on, on the 30th. It's airing on New Year's Eve. I, I know he's going back to Miami Gardens, Coral Gables, and he's going to get some MRIs. He's going to get some scans. But, I mean, look, the guy's in a knee brace. He's on crutches. And, look, football is a violent sport. Wayne, you know this better than any of us. Every um, game we play, you can get hurt. Every yeah. single play. Uh, look, absolutely. Um, but that is that is why folks, you know, I don't think, this is my own personal opinion, that, that's why I think people like me or, or people who work in the media shouldn't call out a student-athlete right, for being right, like, right, right. I'm good. Like, I've yes, I know there's 60 more minutes of my college football career out there if I want to play in it, but I'm good. Like, I don't want right. to do it. Because on the flip side, literally, on the other sideline of that Cheez-It Bowl, you had Tylen Wallace, the wide receiver for Oklahoma State, who granted... Yes. Came back to school this year, was draft eligible, decided to come back for his senior year, and he played the first half. And then in the second half, he's on the sidelines with no helmet because he's already made the decision, predetermined, that he's going to play the first half of the game and then say, right. deuces, I'm out. Right. So right. look, which I mean, is, look, which is a weird decision, by the way. It's a very weird decision. A weird but, decision. You know, I mean, Mike Gundy's a weird dude. I mean, the, the way that guy runs his program <laughs> this year uh, is—I mean, he's just a different kind uh, of cat. So look, he, he's empowering the players, and and he's like, yeah, that's a player decision. This isn't injury related. It's not discipline related. That is Tylen's decision. Uh, and apparently it was a decision that was made before the game started. I'm going to play a half, and then I'm going to give my helmet to the trainer, and I'm going to be a coach on the sideline and root for my guys. But look, man, it, this isn't. This is why people criticize the playoff, because it's made the Bulls haves and have-nots. Like, you know, are you going to get – are you going to go all in for, you know, the Shreveport Bowl 
or you know some of these right, lesser bowl right. games because it's not a New Year's Six. It's not a college football playoff game. I, it's an individual decision. So, no, I, I'm sorry. It, it's an and, and, and You know what? It's funny because you and I have been doing the show together for long enough to where you know that I've actually altered my thoughts on some of this stuff. I'm, I'm one of those. I truly believe that that change is inevitable, and I totally get it. Like I totally get it, and I get what you're saying. I just can't imagine going up to my coach before a bowl game and saying, you know what, right, I'm done. Because when I played, that wouldn't have happened. And I had this thought, and I, I swear, respond to it any way you want. When you were talking just now, one of the, thought, the thoughts that popped into my brain was coaching salaries and more coaches nowadays being players' coaches and being okay with this stuff. When in my day, I think they'd say, you know, clear out your locker room, you're done. <laughs> no, I'm being honest. And, and, and if a coach was making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year versus $10 million, of course, players are coaches are players' coaches now more, because they're so, they're so they're they're vested in it. You have coordinators making a million dollars. Like we're gonna we're we're gonna. I mean, I I know that some people, especially some of the old school coaches, have had to adjust their mindset of the way they were raised in the sport and the way they were taught, because it is a different time. And again, I've I've kind of stopped. Judge, I've actually gone so far as to say, because you know, I've told you this story before. I blew my knee out for the first time. Uh, my I tore my ACL in, in, in the Daily News All-Star game out here in, um, in Southern California. I played in two All-Star games. I played in one, and I was the most valuable player, and it was a great experience. I played in another one, which, which was a bigger game. And uh, I, I dropped back to pass, planted my foot, didn't even get hit. ACL popped. Done. Mm. went down you know like someone shot me from the from the from the stands and it and I, next thing i know i was gray shirting rehabbing for a year and it set my whole career back and then you know and then the first game i played in in college i blew my knee out again and i, I did what joe burrow just did i tore my acl and my mcl so at that point to be honest with you my chances in 1990 you know the early 1990s uh that affected my my draft stock big time and i was a, a six foot four quarterback that lived in the era of you know you didn't have to be a runner and i could throw the ball like when you watch those skills challenges and you watch the you know if you've ever seen those where they have the long throw contests yeah i i I would have been in those like i could do 75 to 78 yards i could you know i don't know there's stories of guys throwing it you know 80 plus or standing on their knees whatever but if you watch those shows most of those guys the big throws are 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 in that 75 ish range like i had that kind of arm and so, like, but, you know, my knee, I, still to this day, I can't straighten out my knee entirely. You know, I, I was never the same. And I was, you know, I was not as athletic as I was when I was younger. So why are, why are all these kids that are so concerned about, you know, because you know, we, we anoint kids. Like, I don't know if you've seen the recruiting sites, but, but they actually start talking about their NFL stock coming out of high school. Sure, man. Like, That's crazy. Like, yeah. but, but here's the deal, though. Why are those kids playing in all-star games? Like, like, like they want to be on TV, right? But why would you – why – if you already have a scholarship to Alabama or Clemson or, or, or whoever, why, why would you go out and play in a high school All-Star game? Or why would you do it? To me, it's the same thought. Like, you're already there. Why do you need your moment at the All-Star game where you pick a hat or you get to go play? Because to me, the, the limited amount of practice they get for those All-Star games – you know, and I played in a college all-star game, too. I played in the blue-gray game. You know, I don't know if you even remember that. That might have been before your time. It used to be on Christmas Day. 
I mean, those games, you can get hurt, and you play those games with very limited knowledge of what the heck you're doing because you have a week to learn everything. Right. And, you, and then you're out there kind of thinking a lot. And, and I don't know, in sport, in the sports world, that's a dangerous thing. You know what I mean? When you're kind of, you know, you're not really sure of yourself, uh, it, it affects the way you play sometimes. So I, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I just think we pick and choose what we opt out of. Because to me, when you play a whole season with guys, and I've always said this about football, Football is the hardest thing you'll ever do in sports. Basketball players, baseball players. I played football, basketball, and baseball. And if you lost a game in basketball or baseball, you knew you had another one in a couple of days. You played more. You play once a week in football. Practices suck. You're always sore. Your body. I mean, what other sport? And I know other athletes do this too. But like, like you sit in a in, in a whirlpool of ice because you have to. Like, it's the only way you can do it. And back when I played, we had, you know, two days all the time, you know, things, they don't do that as much anymore, but you're sore all the time, the entire season. And so it's, it's hard. And so when you look at your teammates that go through everything you went through and be like, I don't, I don't want to play because I'm, I'm in it for myself. I do get it. But at the same time, there's a part of me that doesn't get it. I don't know if that makes any sense to you at all. I get it and I don't get it at the same time. Yeah, I, I think there's you know there's there's valid points being made on both sides of the aisle. Whether you are, you know, in the camp where you know, hey, you know, this is your last chance to put on a uniform. You'll never get your college years back. And then the other side where it's like, I'm trying to make a financial decision, man. I'm I'm I I just I'm good. Like I I've, I'm I'm all right. I don't I don't want to play because there is no going back, man. You can go back to school nope. for your degree. Uh, yep. But you can't go back to school for, you know, an extra year of eligibility. Uh, once it's gone, it's gone. Uh, so, but, so, go so hey, hold on. I know we go somewhere, but I want to I cap this. I want to I I end this right now because this is going to blow your mind. Because last, last week we had a, a fun, fun show. Felder, Roddy, you, me, Cerber. We just we, we had a, a you know the the celebrity cast of whatever whatever we did was totally fun. I enjoyed every second of it. I didn't get to talk as much as normal, but but you know but I, I loved it because I love what those guys have to say. They're 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 great and they understand football. I um I was a little bit, uh, like I disagreed a little bit with those guys. They don't want to expand. We talked about the playoffs and the reason why I'm bringing this up. The bowl games have completely lost it. I don't know about you, but like these, there's so many good matchups by name. Like when you look at these teams, like even like like the games, like Texas had like five opt outs, right? They they had a bunch. Miami, I think both defensive ends uh, didn't play. Um, I, they they had, there's a lot of really good players, and I get it. They're getting ready for the NFL. I get it. These bowl games don't matter anymore. They they don't matter at all. The, the, the guys last week were talking about, you know, I, I, I don't I don't want to put words in their mouth, but like maybe this is like an extended it's good for the I've always said this is good for the players. It, not this year, probably, but in regular years, you know, to go and have the experience to get the, the swag, to get the stuff. I've always said that like bowl games are a blast. I played in a couple of them. They're, they're fun. But if the games don't matter and everybody's opting out, it turns into almost like an exhibition. Like we're going to see young players for the future. We're going to see players that we haven't seen all year. And then, you know, we always do this thing every year where we we, we look at the conferences and how they stand up against each other. Oh, like the Pac-12 was what was two and seven. They're terrible. And and I've always said that half the time it's the matchup. Like Colorado last night was was overmatched against Texas. That wasn't a great matchup for them. So if they played another bowl game that was a better matchup and won, does that make the Pac-12 better? It's kind of stupid that we've always done that, especially now. Like now that's that's like a waste of time. And it feels like the only games that matter 
The only games that matter are, are, are the are the playoff games. So so more than ever, we've got to figure something out. Because if there was, and, and I, I swear this is not, I have not spent hours thinking about this. But if there were, were a more inclusive playoff team, I agree with those guys last week. It'd still be Alabama and Clemson at the end. I, I, I totally agree. But we'd have more fan bases tuning into that matchup in the first round. Like, like say if it was 16 teams. And you eliminated bowl games, by the way. Eliminated them. Like, they're gone. Like, if you want to have a couple exhibition games, you can do that, whatever, whatever. But don't bill them as, like, a big deal. Like, it's like a spring game. You know what I mean? If you had an expanded playoff where each round mattered, and, and, and for a team, like in basketball, you know, if a team makes it to the Sweet 16 or the Elite 8, that matters. And they use that for recruiting. Sure. They, they use that for recruiting. Like, we're a Sweet 16 team. That means you're good. And in football, like, if you're not one of the top four teams, like I talked about Oklahoma earlier, that was a disappointing season, even though they won their conference championship. And those players will wear, wear, will wear their big 12 championship rings. You know, they'll have it forever. You can't take that away from them. And they battled, and I think they should be proud of themselves. That Oklahoma team would be in a playoff, and that Oklahoma team would be very dangerous. Would they would they compete against Alabama and 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 Clemson? No, probably not. Right? Maybe on any given day they could. The Oklahoma Oklahoma people, I get it. Maybe they could, but chances are they would lose when they got to that game. But they might get to play two more meaningful games. Now we'd have to adjust some scheduling. We'd have to make it where the teams don't play more than 15 games, which is totally doable, by the way. Because for everybody that's worried about how much these guys are playing, the, the, the Clemsons and the Alabamas are playing about 15 games every year because they're almost in the championship every year. So, so we, could, we could do that. So I'm just saying that we may have reached a point and maybe this crazy year has made us realize, and this has been building, by the way. There's more and more opt-outs every single year. There's less and less interest in, the, in these gazillion bowl games. And by the way, you were the one that started saying there's too many bowl games to me years ago, and I was like, no, nah, no, nah, no. Nah. It's like it's crazy talk. Bowl games are great. Huh. I don't think they are anymore. You were right. Boy, can we, can we frame that? Is there a way to just clip this audio yeah. and preserve it for, for all time? Uh, look, here's the don't thing. worry. Don't worry, guys. I'm going to clip this out of the episode. <laughs> Wayne, no one will ever know that you agreed with Hartzell. Phenomenal. I make this pledge to you. Phenomenal. <laughs> here's the thing. I was joking with Roddy Jones earlier this week about, you know, these bowl games that are happening after Christmas, you know, because they had, they canceled the Music City Bowl first because we had some COVID yeah. with Missouri. And so Missouri, Iowa got whacked. And then we find out yesterday that TCU, Arkansas, Texas Bowl, that ain't happening because we got COVID on TCU. Yeah. Um, so, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of holding my breath that we don't have any more of these. But, you know, look, the, the whole bowl season, the whole college football season, it's all a it, this this whole thing has been about getting to the finish line. And 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 right. look, I'm not I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. That's just what this has been like. That's I, what I this do is. want. So I. Let's, I do, Stephen. I do want people to put this in the context of, it, it, if it was a regular season, though. If it was a regular season, we still have a million bowl games where players would opt out, like especially on our, our big time teams. Like, like, and that's where it's happening, right? Like when you're a Florida or a Georgia or a Texas or teams that we know have tons of NFL talent, and they make it to a bowl game, and you look at it on paper, and you're like, man, that's going to be a great game. Like, I used to look forward to them. I'm like, that's a great game. And then you start hearing about, well, so-and-so's not playing, and so-and-so's not playing, and so-and-so's not playing. And you're like, man, it's not even like it's not the real team. 
And it's like, to me, if that's going to keep happening more and more and more, a lot of those teams that had good years may have had a chance to make it into a playoff. And by the way, you just let me slide from 18 to 16, from 8 to 16. And I was just using that as an example. I've seen 12-team models. I've seen – but my, my idea is give those titles, you know, the bowl game titles, because obviously we need sponsors for everything. But, but it's still there, – there's got to be a, a shakeup, but not just because of COVID. The opt-outs have already been happening. They've been happening for a while now. And, and like you said, people are doing it during the season now. So it's like there's got to be some, some, some changes in place that make these things matter. And who knows? Maybe if we had a playoff and teams are like, well, we're not going to win anyway, so I'm opting out anyway. Well, I don't know. I, I actually saw, uh, I think it was Stuart Mandel uh, with The Athletic who, who actually had this discussion on one of his recent articles about, you know, what, you know if slash when name, image, and likeness passes, yeah. that you could have Bulls offer a player – you know, basically an appearance fee. Like, you know, if, right. if you're if you're Kyle Pitts and you're not playing in the Fiesta Bowl because you're going to be the first tight end, maybe the first pass catcher taken off right. the board in the NFL right. draft, and you've already said, I'm good, and then the Fiesta Bowl is like, hey, man, we'll, we'll give you a hundred grand if you play in the game. Like, I, you, I, again, you, I'm not saying that's, that that's going to happen, but yeah. I, I think that's something that you could certainly – Bring wow. to the table potentially, wow. and everybody else is going. What about me? I'm not playing either. Well, maybe you should be a better player. Maybe you should be an elite pass catching tight end like Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Uh, let's yeah. let's put that on pause because our man Phil Steele has entered the chat. Uh, Phil, thank you so much for taking the time. I, I, I'm assuming everybody had a good Christmas in the Steele household. Oh, you betcha, absolutely. And uh, you know what? The thing I'm most thankful for: we're still playing football, huh? We still have football <laughs> games. Yeah, there's no doubt. And and look, I, I before we talk about some of these matchups, we got the New Year Six, we got the college football playoff. What have you made a bowl season so far? Because to me, and and I, I know you're breaking this stuff down, but it's been a tough last couple of weeks to kind of handicap these matchups, right? You got opt outs, you got some teams that are just kind of checked out. Uh, and that's really shown up on the field. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been interesting. You know, I think other than uh, other bowl seasons, you've had the long pause between games. You know, three weeks. Uh, generally, you don't know what you're going to get. I'm sort of enjoying it because we're getting the teams in the, the form. I mean, some of these teams played last week, and now they're playing in bowl games. So you don't have the normal break, the normal layoff, and and things like that. Yeah, the opt outs are interesting, but if you keep track of them, I think you could do pretty good. Phil, when you look at, you know, we were just having a conversation about a million things, but when you look at bowl season, normally it's kind of like the non-conference schedule. We tend to like to put, you know, conferences against other conferences. And see, and I was kind of talking about watch the Colorado-Texas game. And I just, I thought that that was a bad matchup for Colorado. I don't think they were quite ready for that game. And they hung in there and they fought, but, you know, Texas has got, you know, better players at this point. I don't think that's an indictment on the on the Pac-12, but I'm I'm curious if this year is so weird because we've seen so little uh, of of teams playing outside of their conference. Is it impossible in a year like this to really rank the conferences, or is it kind of you know is it something that you've been able to do this year? Uh, no, I think I think we will be able to rank the conferences this year, even though they're not playing outside. I do think the bowls will have a major impact on where teams land up in the rankings because that is our only chance to see some of these teams 
uh, in non-conference games. I think the Sun Belt has really impressed me. Going back to the start of the season, remember that first big week they had knocking off all those big 12 opponents, and now when the Bulls are doing an outstanding 4-1. Yeah. and one. So I know the Sun Belt has probably had the most impressive one. And as far as disappointing ones go, you have to think CUSA is really struggling at 0-6. And then, of course, the American Conference, just 1-3 so far. That's funny because the first bowl game I wanted to ask you about today in, involved a team from the American who's favored over an SEC team. So, uh, Wayne, if, 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 if you don't have any more questions about world history or, or economics, <laughs> uh, maybe we can get into some of these bowl games. Phil, yeah, let's armed, do it. armed Forces Bowl, high noon on New Year's Eve. Tulsa's laying, at last check it was two, two and a half against Mississippi State. Uh, talk to me about uh, about the Golden Hurricane and the Bulldogs, man. Yeah, and in this one, I, I have to like the SEC team getting points. You got to think they'll be motivated. And the one thing I've liked about Mississippi State all year is that Mike Leach at the start was in a tough situation. He was taking over a running football team with offensive linemen geared to the run game. Uh, everything that they had on offense was geared to the run game. Didn't have the benefit of the spring. The thing that shocked me was the 44 points they put up on LSU in the opener. But that's because LSU just played man defense. And then all of a sudden, when teams started playing more zone against them, they just shut Mississippi State down. But these last three, four weeks, they've been playing much better. 479 yards against Ole Miss, about 51 points against Missouri. So the offense is getting better. The defense has been good all year, holding opponents to 46 yards per game below their season average. I did like the way Tulsa ran the ball on Cincinnati in the championship game. They ran for 199 yards. They, of course, have an excellent defense, but the nation's best defensive player this year has been Xavier Collins, and he's opted out of this one. So I think that's a tough situation. There's no doubt if you line these guys up, the SEC has more talent than does Tulsa. Tulsa's played better as a team this year, but I like the way Mississippi State's rounding into form. I like the fact they're an underdog, so I like Mississippi State to pull the upset in this one. And it seems pretty shocking for a, a three and seven team to beat a, a seven and two team. One of my favorite stories of the year has been San Jose State. My old teammate Brent Brennan uh, leading uh, leading them to an undefeated record this year. I think if anybody raised their stock and opened some eyes more, uh, it's it's hard to find. I mean, it's been great. I know he was maybe up for the Arizona job. I'm. Part of me is glad he didn't take it. I think there may be better opportunities out there down the road. But uh, San Jose Ball State looks like it might be a pretty good game. Can uh, San Jose State stay undefeated? Yeah, and it, undefeated not only straight up but against the spread. 7-0 and against the spread this year. You got to love that. And I love the way they dominated Boise State in that Mountain West title game. I mean, they had a 498-233 to yard edge. Uh, Nick Starkle has done a great job throwing the ball, and then they bring in the running quarterback, Nick Nash. So I like that. And the defense holding opponents to 47 yards per game those below their season average. That's a great story. Ball State's a great story. You go to the back to the start of the year. Mike New took over the team a, a few years ago, and they've had losing seasons since. Come close. Uh, but this year, his motto was Detroit or bust. And then they go lose to Miami in the opener, and you're like, okay, well, there goes that season. All they did is win their final five games in the MAC and then beat Buffalo. And once again, an impressive uh, title game against Buffalo. So you've got two good teams here. I do feel San Jose State is the better team here. Are they nine points better than Ball State? Than Ball State? I, that's a good question. So uh, I like San Jose State to win the game, but spread-wise, I, I don't see a strong play in this one. 
Yeah, I was going to say, Phil. I mean, these are like your two ATMs on the college football season. Yeah. You can't you, you can't <laughs> pick against one of these. Uh, good stuff. Uh, that's the Arizona Bowl, by the way. Two o'clock Eastern kick. Uh, Liberty Bowl is intriguing. All right, West Virginia against Army. It's a seven point spread. West Virginia's favored. That that's a big number though, when you're talking about a service academy getting that many points, Phil. So I'm I'm curious your take on the Mountaineers and uh, and Army on uh, on yeah. Thursday afternoon. Yeah, and in this one, I, I like West Virginia for a couple of reasons. First of all, if you follow Army's offense this year, it hasn't been your typical Army offense, the one that is sort of dominant. In fact, over the last four weeks, just 256 yards per game total offense. Uh, so they struggle to move the football. And, and I like West Virginia's matchup here. You look inside, uh, they've got the Stills brothers inside, which can really blow up a team, stop the fullback run, and really uh, – to slow down the option offense. So I, I think West Virginia matches up well in that respect. Now, on the flip side of the coin, Army's defense has been great all year. I mean, they've only allowed 271 yards per game. But part of that is when an option team faces an option team, you have an advantage. And they've just faced Air Force, Navy, Georgia Southern. They played the Citadel this year. So they faced four option teams. They played three FCS teams this year. They've only played really one legitimate offense, and that was Cincinnati when they were still trying to find their legs early. I like Letty Brown and Alex Sinkfield running the football, Deji throwing the football. So I think when you match up their uh, West Virginia offense, they should be able to do some damage against Army. So I like the matchups in this one, and I think West Virginia is the better football team. I'm going to go with West Virginia, which has played the much tougher schedule and lay the points. All right, Phil. So this is one of the big ones. The uh, in my the Peach Bowl, Cincinnati, Georgia. You know, Georgia. You know, may have found their quarterback. Cincinnati. I mean, this could be an, an, the biggest game in that program's history. If you can go beat a top ten SEC team, maybe you look at everybody and go, "Hey, we did deserve to get into this thing." What do you think? And then, by the way, I don't know. And maybe you could fill me in, Phil. I'm not sure. Are there opt outs for for Georgia in this one? I don't know how that. It's going to impact, but what a, what a matchup. Yeah, Georgia's had about five or six opt-outs for this one and some key yeah. players as well. But remember last year's bowl game when they played Baylor, they basically were missing, I think, 12 of their 22 starters were out for the Baylor game. Their offensive line was a mismatch of players. The defense was uh, decimated by the opt-outs. And all they did was go out and dominate Baylor. They had 272, 97-yard edge. And while they're only playing an American Conference team, it's not just any American Conference team. It's the Cincinnati team that's gotten a lot of uh, publicity. Let's face it, everybody's talked about them at the playoff. They're ranked right there with Georgia. So I think Georgia will come motivated, unlike a couple of years ago when they were disappointed not to be in the playoff and were playing Texas. This time, they suffered their two losses early. Uh, people were doubting why they were even in the top 10 at 4-2. and two. So they've got a little something to prove here, and they've been a much different offense since JT Daniels has taken over at QB. Uh, they've averaged 443 yards per game offense the last four games, even better than that the last three games that Daniels has been in control. They're putting up about 40 points per game. They have the defense that can slow down Cincinnati. Georgia's brush defense is the best in the country. They allow 69 yards per game, 2.3 yards per carry. I feel since he has to be running the football, they have its efficient offense, so they may not match up well there. I do think Georgia's the better team, will be motivated for this, but you got to uh, just comp 
compliment Luke Fickle on the job he's done at Cincinnati this year. You know, they got off to a little bit of a slow start, but then dominated opponents on a weekly basis. And he's done a tremendous job building this team. But I'm going to go with Georgia minus the points. Hey, Phil, uh, you know, win or lose here. Well, I guess win, especially. I mean, Georgia's probably a preseason, what, top three team going into 2021? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you you look at the the what they were coming into this year. They were up there, and then they were playing with a walk on quarterback for a couple of big games. Their defense was hit hard by injuries, and Alabama and Florida's offense was pretty good. But I thought they played a good game against Alabama. Remember at the half they led that thing twenty four twenty. Yeah. So yeah, I could see Georgia a preseason top five team with the win here. All right, let's go to the Citrus Bowl, New Year's Day, one o'clock. Northwestern favored against Auburn. I just I don't know what to make of Auburn. I haven't all season. They're so schizophrenic. Uh, I'm curious to get your take on this one, Phil. Yeah, I was all lined up to go heavy on Northwestern as a dog against Auburn because I do feel Northwestern is the better team. They normally don't play as well as a favorite, but uh, this is a pretty scrappy Northwestern squad. Uh, one of the better defenses in the country. Uh, I like what Peyton Ramsey's doing at quarterback, and, and they did move the ball well on Ohio State in the first half of that game, and they have a large edge here on defense. They're giving up about 339 yards per game, Auburn 401. Now, I'll take Tank Bigsby at running back as the best running back on the field. Bo Nix, probably an edge of QB, although he doesn't play as well away from home. He's got a 12-12 ratio away from home. Uh, but add it all up, I think the key factor here to me, it's Mike Hankowitz's last game as defense coordinator at Northwestern. I felt Hankowitz should have won the Broyles Award for the best uh, coordinator in the country this year. He's had a great impact on that defense, and the players are motivated to send him out with a win in this one. So we've got a motivated Northwestern that, frankly, I feel is a better team in this. And uh, I'm going to go with Northwestern uh, minus the points. Steven, I, I assume that we want to save the the playoff games for the last two games we talk about. So so let's jump over to the January 2nd games. Um, the one game that jumps out to me that I'm I'm kind of pumped to watch, uh, A&M and North Carolina. I, I, I just think that, that that should be fun. I mean, it, it, it's going to be uh, – you know, North Carolina's you know had some has some moments, and Texas A and M is one of those teams that's like, listen, we were we were right there, we were deserving of a playoff spot. Yeah, and I, I feel Texas A and M, if they were one of the four teams, would play with any of the four teams out there. Uh, you know, early in the year, they were still getting their feet wet on offense. Uh, they had a very young receiving core, which is now grown and and they have the receivers now led by Jalen Weidemeyer they were looking at the run game with Spiller and Smith Kellen Mond is a quarterback that's got 19 touchdowns there's three interceptions A&M's got one of the best offensive lines in the entire country they're one of the three finalists for the Joe Moore award and how about their defense you know over the last four weeks they're giving up 243 yards per game holding opponents to 152 yards below their season average they did they give up a couple of backdoor covers LSU scored a very late touchdown Arkansas has scored two late touchdowns to get back to our covers. Other than that, you'd be on a great spread run, and they did beat Florida this year. Now, North Carolina, that offense, super scary, but they're going to be without Michael Carter. They're going to be without Javante Williams. They're going to be without De'Ami Brown. And if you go back and look at the 778 yards they put up against Miami of Florida, 
711 yards were accounted by by Carter, Williams, and Brown, who won't be playing in this game. North Carolina's defense is not what North Carolina or what Texas A&M's defense is. So a large edge defensively to Texas A&M. Uh, and I think they're going to have the better balance on offense as well with the better run game. In fact, North Carolina's top running back here, DJ Jones, has 65 yards on the season. So add it all up. I'm taking an A&M team that, you know, North Carolina might have been the team to knock them out of the playoff because folks are pointing to the fact Notre Dame beat North Carolina by 14. Well, let's go beat North Carolina by more than 14 and show that we should have been in the playoff. Uh, I, I asked you this earlier about Georgia, Phil, but, I mean, where's A&M in the preseason rankings coming into the 2021 season? Are they a top-five squad? Yeah, it's quite possible. I think if they have an impressive win here, depending on who comes back, who doesn't come back. Uh, remember, they were my number one surprise team in the country this year, and a lot of folks uh, scoffed at that after the uh, the season they had last year with the five losses. How can you put them as a playoff contender? And yet there they were at the end of the year, a playoff contender, Jimbo Fisher is just doing an incredible job building this team. He's bringing in the recruiting classes. He's bringing in the talent. He's molding them the right way. Um, I, Wayne, I, I know you're fired up for this next game because it involves a Pac-12, uh, Pac-12 squad. <laughs> but, you know, Iowa State, Oregon, man, Fiesta Bowl. Uh, Ducks, are, Ducks are an underdog in this one. And, you know, I, I was impressed with Iowa State all season, Phil. I thought they – I mean, they had their chances in that Big 12 championship against Oklahoma. But – they are the favorite here, and, and underdog uh, 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 Oregon has been, yeah, they've been pretty good as a dog. So what, what's your read on this one? Yeah, this one, I, I like Iowa State. I think when you take a look at the matchup, uh, Iowa State's got the better defense, and they also have a confusing defense. It's uh, They run that 3-3-5, and a lot of teams have, to, you know, a lot of quarterbacks have trouble with that. Well, this is Tyler Shuck. You know, as as much as he's had a good season this year, 13-5 ratio, he's hit 63%. It's only his seventh start. He really hasn't faced a defense like this Iowa State defense. And Iowa State can get turnovers. I do expect a couple turnovers that way. I think if you look at the running backs in this game, I'm going to take Brees Hall, believe it or not. He's got 1,436 <laughs> yards, 5.9 yards per carry, 19 touchdowns. One of the top running backs in the country. I love Iowa State's tight ends. And once again, they're a tough team to match up with because they go two, three tight end sets. And that's really tough for an offense that's taken them on the first time. And Oregon just hasn't impressed me this year. You go back to that Stanford game to start off the year. Stanford had their quarterback and wide receiver ruled ineligible about two hours before a kickoff and missed four field goals. They trailed Washington State at the half. They took on UCLA with a backup quarterback and only beat them by three. They got beat by Oregon State. They got beat by Cal. And while they beat USC, they got outgained in that game by 115 yards. So where's Oregon's good game this year? Yeah. I think that spreads four and a half because of what Oregon did last year, not necessarily what they did this year I definitely like Iowa State minus the four and a half here I was surprised that the number wasn't more towards the touchdown hmm. I, I actually and, and Stephen don't trust me I, I looked at the bowl matchups for the Pac-12 and I I said the same I said 0-2 oh, there's, there's they're just not good matchups and this year I mean even USC uh, with all the talent they have they were unimpressive so this wasn't the year. I'm, I think Mario Cristobal is building something with the way he's recruiting. I think he's, he's, he's building something. But with all the opt-outs they had, you know, before the season even started, this was just – it's not their year. I like Iowa State also. Talking about a team that maybe is being uh, kind of forgotten after their one loss, Indiana, who had a great year. W was so much fun. I know that, you know, losing, losing your quarterback matters. 
But, you know, Indiana Ole Miss, um, you know, this is one of those you're playing a team without a winning record. Um, but but still, uh, should be should be a fun one to watch. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's going to be a high-scoring game as well. Uh, you know, when you look at Ole Miss, they're missing their top two receivers, Elijah Moore and Kenny Yeboah, their wide receiver and tight end. But they were without those two guys against LSU and put up 48 points on the board, 558 yards. In fact, Ole Miss games this year averaging 81 points per game. Now, they have a pretty good quarterback in Matt Corral. They've got the change of pace guy in John Rice Plumley. They've got the running backs. And as we saw against LSU, I mean, they've got the receivers that can go get it. Uh, I was impressed with Mingo and Sanders, and I think they can do some damage. Indiana's got a good defense, but they did give up 42 points to an explosive Ohio State. They give up 35 points and 488 yards to Penn State. I think the underrated group here is the skill players at Indiana. They haven't been explosive offensively, but they do have Stevie Scott at running back. And Stevie Scott in the last game didn't have a big game, but that was against Wisconsin's defense. Here, he's taking on an Ole Miss defense that's allowing opponents 150 yards per game above what you come in averaging. So if your team averages 400 yards, you're going to get 550 against Ole Miss. I think Stevie Scott breaks out with a big game. They're, they don't have Michael Penix at QB, but Jack Tuttle was my number 20-rated quarterback out of high school. Yeah. He originally signed at Utah. He's hitting 67%, and he's had all these weeks to prep with the Indiana offense. I think he'll be good. And then how about the receivers, Fry Fogel and Phil Yar? I do believe Indiana's a better team should win it, but the spread's pretty high in that respect. So I got to go with the over. I think Indiana puts their points on the board. And as we saw when Mississippi even played Alabama, that thing was 42-42. They, they put up 48 points on Alabama for crying out loud. I like the over in this game as my best play. Should be a fun and exciting game to watch. Uh, well, maybe the opposite of that is what's happening at the same time in Jacksonville, Phil. I mean, K- Kentucky and NC State, I mean, look, it's great. You're going to a bowl game, but but this is this is not going to be the prettiest of games, right? I mean, there's not going to be a lot of points with two, between these two squads. Yeah, I would agree with that. Any game Kentucky's involved in, you got to think under because they do have a good defense. Uh, and they also have an offense that basically struggles to both run and pass. Uh, you know, Terry Wilson did not live up to the coaches' expectations coming into the year. Most of their yards that they put up were against the weaker defenses that they faced, the South Carolina, which was depleted at year's end, the Vanderbilt. Uh, they did get 34 on Tennessee, but I think a lot of those were inter- off interceptions. So they really don't have that explosive offense. In fact, they average 114 yards per game below what teams normally allow. That's uh, the number 124 mark in the country. But they do have a solid D, and they're physical at the line of scrimmage. With NC State, uh, they have a good offense. Not great, but they've got Sonovan Knight, Ricky Pearson at running back, Bailey Hawkman at receiver. Their defense is, is good. Once again, not great. I think NC State might be uh, the better team this year, but Kentucky probably has better personnel. So I understand be- Kentucky being favored in this one by two and a half. I would lean probably with the under in this game would be my top thing if I was going to put anything on it at all. But odds are this is just one of those games where I'll watch and be be looking forward to next year for both squads. All right, Phil. Let's get into the let's get into the big ones. Let's get into the playoffs. This is uh, I'm I'm pumped up. Uh, the Rose Bowl. I know it's not being played at the Rose Bowl, which is very weird. Normally, I'm sitting out in the in the in the you know outside the stadium doing a pregame show for the Rose Bowl this year. I'm I'm doing it from my my office, <laughs> which is going to be strange. Um, 
Alabama, Notre Dame. You know, this has been a, a, a great year for Notre Dame. You know, their only loss was to a Clemson team that they beat earlier in the year. Now, granted, without Trevor Lawrence. Now they take on an Alabama team. And I don't know, Phil, and maybe you know the history of this. I can't remember a team having three legitimate Heisman. Like, you can make a legitimate argument for three offensive players on Alabama for the Heisman. Like, they're, they're all great. And it's just – it's amazing how much talent they have. So, as you look at this one, and for a playoff game to have a over a 19-point spread, I get it. But I keep going back to the fact Notre Dame did beat Clemson once. They, they, they found a way. And I keep thinking – Ian Book probably has to be great, especially with his legs, uh, to have an impact in this game. But I still, I, I'm wrapping my brain around. I don't know how I can figure out a way for Notre Dame to win this one. Yeah, I think that is the key. If Ian Book has a big game, especially with his legs, opens up the pass game as well, uh, then I think that um, uh, it Notre Dame would have a chance. But as you touched on, not only does this Alabama team uh, have the top running back in the country in Najee Harris. Uh, Mac Jones, who's probably the first-team All-American quarterback. Devontae Smith, the best wide receiver in the country. They've, they'll have the Joe Moore Award-winning offensive line as well. How do you stop an offense like that? And they've been pretty much unstoppable, averaging 50 points per game. But the good thing about Notre Dame is they've got a good defense. And if you remember that Alabama-Notre Dame game a few years back, uh, that was one where Notre Dame was just outmanned at the line of scrimmage. They won't be outmanned at the line of scrimmage here. They have the offensive line. They have the defensive line that can man up with Alabama and give them a game. Alabama will be missing their top center, Landon Dickerson, as well. So that's going to be a pretty tough spot uh, for Alabama. So overall, uh, I think Alabama wins this game. But the 19 and a half scares me a little bit. So if I'm going to wager on this game, I'm actually leaning a little bit with the under. And I know Alabama games have been going over, but we saw Notre Dame struggle against Clemson with just 10 points. Uh, and Alabama's defense prior to playing Florida had only given up eight points per game the previous seven games. And I think Notre Dame's got a good enough defense to slow this Alabama offense down. If Alabama's up by 20, 24 points, I mean, why keep rolling? Why not just worry about your next game? So I'm, I'm actually leaning a little bit with under 66 and a half in this one. But uh, should be. I think Notre Dame's going to make it more interesting than people think they will. Hey, hey Phil, just a quick follow-up. For, for, for Notre Dame, Offensively, you know, you know, we talked about Ian Book. Um, we're saying in the offensive line, which again, you know, it's funny that you brought up the offensive line of Alabama because I always think whenever there's elite talent uh, on on an offensive unit, usually there's an offensive line that's helping them <laughs> because that 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 makes a huge difference in football. For Notre Dame, though, who are some other players outside of Book and 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 their offensive line that that you think might need to step up and play well? Well, definitely Kyron Williams. Uh, he's been the big surprise this year. I don't think anybody expected a single feature running back to come from Notre Dame. And Williams topped 1,000 yards this year. Uh, had some big games. And the games he had, his biggest games, is when Notre Dame played their best. So I think Kyron Williams is going to be that guy. And then their tight ends. Uh, Notre Dame's got about three different tight ends that they can feature. And uh, they're all good. So if their tight ends and Kyra Williams have a big game, then I think they can put some points on the board against Bama. Phil, it, it, you kind of touched on it earlier, but if if, if Notre Dame is going to – and I can't believe I'm trying to talk myself into this but, – <laughs> but but if Notre Dame is going to hang around in this game, they, they, they've got to do it with their defense, right? Like they've got to find a way to keep Alabama in the 30s, right? Like they've yes. got to find a way to just hang around in this one. 
Yeah, if if Alabama gets in the forties and fifties, then and Notre Dame can't keep up with that. Alabama's got too good of a defense. So, and I think Notre Dame will be able to to keep them under that that big total. It's kind of interesting though, as we stay on this playoff game a little bit longer. Um, to me, if I'm thinking about it, like if you could slow down Najee Harris. And, and try to make, and I know that that's a scary thought because the way they pass the ball, but if you can make them a little bit more one-dimensional, like remember when we watched Clemson, you know, they, they, they took Travis Etienne out of the game the first time. If you can find a way to, to, and you talk about this defense being really good, if they can try to slow down Harris, um, that's got to be helpful in, in this one if they're going to win. Yeah, and like I said, if you remember their matchup before, yeah, Notre Dame's offensive defense lines were just dominated by Alabama. But here they actually match up. Notre Dame's got one of the top three offensive lines in the country, and they've got a big enough defensive line to contend with that Alabama offensive line, uh, especially up front. So I, I think that the, the offensive and defensive lines are actually fairly close in this matchup. Huh. Uh, all right, let's go to the Sugar Bowl, uh, the the nightcap, Phil. You've got Clemson and uh, Ohio State. Tigers are a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm curious to get your thoughts on that point spread. Is that is that is that the right line? Is that where you had it? Is that a little bit more value with the Buckeyes than than you think should be there? What's your take? Yeah, it's, the spread's probably a little bit higher than I thought it would, and and the spread sometimes is reflected by your previous game. Ohio State struggling with Northwestern, uh, trailing 10-6 at the half. Clemson blowing the doors off of Notre Dame, and in fact, blowing the doors off their last three teams they played this year. Uh, would have the average better definitely wagering on Clemson because what you see last is what you think. And Clemson, let's face it, has been a more impressive team this year. I mean, look at Ohio State's toughest two opponents, Northwestern and Indiana. They got a 12 and a seven-point win. Clemson has beaten some teams severely most of the year. This is, if you're going to play Ohio State, though, you have to go a little bit on faith because I think Ohio State's talent, they haven't played to their talent level all year. There's a good chance they may do that here, and Lord knows they're the fresher team. They've only had six games, and I think this game comes down to Justin Fields. If you look at this year, uh, first of all, last year Justin Fields was lighting it up. 41 touchdowns, one interception. Uh, ran for 484 yards. But this year, three interceptions against Indiana, 12 of 27 for 114 yards against Northwestern. And those are the only two really good defenses he took on all season long. Now he's taken on Brett Venables of Clemson. What kind of chance does he have? But let's go back to last year's game. In last year's uh, title game or playoff game, 30 of 46 for 320 yards. Very impressive game against Venable's defense. He's capable of it. He had one touchdown, zero interceptions. Had he got that touchdown the last play of the game, they would have advanced to the next round. So if Justin Fields can return to last year's form and have that type of game, I think Ohio State clearly has a shot at the upset. I would actually give Ohio State uh, the benefit of the doubt at wide receiver. Uh, I think they have the better offensive line. I do feel Clemson's got the better defense and, and probably the better special teams in this. But the running backs are close, so Ohio State's got the talent to play with Clemson, but they need Justin Fields to have a big game. Phil, I, I was trying to make a a comparison of, of Trevor Lawrence to somebody else. I was, I was just trying to figure it out. I know that 
um, I was like, who does he remind me of? What's he like? And I'm just curious what your take historically is because I think Trevor Lawrence is the, is the best football player in the country. I think he's unique. I think he's different. I think he's he's got the mind. He's got the athleticism. He's got the arms. He's got the leadership. He's got that. I know you like him. And I know, you know, he was one of your guys that, you know, saved college football this year, right? And we're getting to yes, watch all right. these games. Trevor Lawrence to me is just so unique. I, I'm curious what your take is on where he stands historically as a, as a player. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be. I, I think he's uh, a, as clear a first round draft pick as you can have uh, for the NFL. And you know, you look at how he came in as a freshman, came off the bench in week six, took over the team and got him to the title. Had a carved up the Alabama defense in the title game. Then last year didn't have quite that type of year, but still had a really good year. And and once again, you're comp- you're holding him to the standards almost of being perfect. You expect Tyler Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, to hit every single pass he throws, to run for 150 yards, and just be perfect. And when he misses a pass, you're like, oh, I don't know what kind of week he's having. I think he has to be among the best that's ever played the game. Yeah. Uh- Phil, before I let you go, let's just assume for you know for the sake of this exercise that Alabama finds a way as a twenty point favorite to beat Notre Dame. What 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 are the odds, or you know what's what what are you making the point spread for the national championship? Alabama versus Clemson or Alabama versus Ohio State? Uh, I think it depends how impressive the winner of the Ohio State Clemson game is. Uh, but I would probably put it only in the seven to ten range category. I still think it would probably be about closer to seven. But uh, if a team squeaks by in the Ohio State Clemson game and Notre Dame looks impressive, it would go higher. If Notre Dame doesn't cover against Notre Dame and the winner of the Ohio State Clemson game is a big winner, then it would be under seven. So it really depends what's going to happen in the in the games. But seven would be my magic number at this point. Okay, good stuff. Well, Phil. Uh, an early happy new year to you. Enjoy the football. Uh, I've enjoyed these conversations all season long, man. Thanks so much. Hey, a lot of fun as always, guys. And uh, thank goodness 2020 is ending and we're heading to a brand new year. So let's, <laughs> let's make the most of it. Happy new year to both uh, of you. Yeah. Happy new year. To thanks, you, Phil. Phil. Happy that's, new year, buddy. It's well said. Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot there. I, I would like to just piggyback on one thing that um, that Phil said there, Wayne, and, and you talk about the quarterbacks and you know the, the the Justin Fields Trevor Lawrence rivalry and and we'll probably talk about this a lot more with Felder when he's on Friday but cuz he's covered recruiting right but the, these two guys have been linked at the hip for a long time i mean you're talking about two elite quarterbacks they both came out of the same state okay Trevor Lawrence is a Cartersville Georgia kid you've got Justin Fields who's a Kennesaw Georgia kid i mean that, that's that's not the you're talking about two two towns that are within like an hour of each other in Georgia. They both come out at the same time. One goes to the university of Georgia. One goes to Clemson. They hooked up last year in a national semifinal. They're doing it again this year. They're probably going to be at least two of the top three quarterbacks taken out. I mean, I I think Trevor's going to get the nod at number one overall to Jacksonville, but you know, you're going to have teams sitting there who are going to be looking at, at Justin Fields as, it's either going to be him or the kid from BYU, whose name I'm omitting. I apologize. Um, Zach Wilson. Yeah, Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. Like, if you're an NFL GM, that, that's going to be the decision uh, coming up in April. And, you know, I'll be honest, as an Atlanta Falcons fan, I'd rather take Fields. I think the ceiling's higher there, right. personally, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, than, yeah. than Zach Wilson. But that, here's the thing. There, there are a, a handful of athletes 
that have a rival or or someone that they're associated with like from high school on you know what i'm saying like I, you know yeah. you, you go back to like 03 when lebron and carmelo came out at the same time like like you know and and that's a rivalry that I mean, it's it's uh, it's obviously lopsided, right? But that's that's just one of those storylines that I'm I'm intrigued by. I, I think that's cool because these two kids have been going back and forth, you know, in, in recruiting circles, college, and now they're both going to go pro at the same time. I, I just I think it's cool. I, I think it's an interesting storyline. Trevor got the better of Justin last year. How's that going to play out uh, coming up tomorrow? We'll see. I think it's a great storyline, and I and I love it. And and what what. Justin Fields did last year and coming into this year, you know, and, I, you know, probably, and, and Phil pointed it out, we expect Trevor Lawrence to be perfect. And he had such a good freshman year that, you know, last year maybe wasn't quite as good. But as Phil's pointed out and what we've seen is it didn't start great, but I think his 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 sophomore year ended real well. I mean, Trevor Lawrence was Trevor Lawrence, you know, going into – last year and then and then this year he's been really really good and you know he's had to miss a couple games remember he had the covid uh contact tracing whatever it was that kept him out of a couple games and and for ohio state justin fields you could argue he hasn't been as good this year and 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 phil pointed out that his two best two two best defenses that he faced uh he struggled against and turned the ball over um i think and i don't want to get crazy here and this is important uh, to think about when you look at NFL prospects, what's really, really hard is we look at these players that are, you know, elite 11 guys in high school, right? They're, they're, they're all American high school, all Americans They're They, you know, most of them for the most part, most great quarterbacks always end up playing for the best teams. They all, you know, they, they end up on teams that win every game. They always win, you know, this seems like they're, they win state championships, like there's a lot of that, and these elite quarterbacks are kind of always elite. They come into high school, uh, college elite, and if they're on elite teams, I mean, let's be honest. If you're a quarterback and you win this, the probably the hardest part for these quarterbacks when they go to you know Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State is just winning the starting job, right? We've seen all the the outcasts from Ohio State go on to other schools and and be elite other places. <laughs> they, they, they're so loaded at those positions that, you know, we saw what happened when, when Trevor Lawrence couldn't play. Uyunglele came in and threw for 400 yards against a great defense. So, like, like they have so much talent at, at those schools. Sometimes when we start talking about the NFL and the draft, it's really, really tricky because, like, I'll give you an example, like uh, Deshaun Watson for Clemson. When he was at Clemson, I actually thought – he was so good at Clemson that at times he carried them. There have been times watching Alabama over the years that we've watched it. I don't, you know, you you you, you know, you have Jalen Hurts and and you win almost every game you play, and then you put in Tua and you win almost every game you play. You put in Mac Jones and you win every game you play. You put it, you know what I mean? Like they're so good that does that mean that these guys are going to be elite in the NFL? When they have three seconds, four seconds to throw, and they're throwing to receivers that are way better than every every defensive backs they face, we see that at Ohio State, we see that at Alabama. Sometimes I feel like we see that a little bit less at Clemson. I feel like the quarterbacks like matter a little bit more there. Um, they they they've obviously been able to run the ball really well. Um, so I mean, these guys are playing with all the toys. They're not like like when 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 Sam Darnold went to the Jets, it wasn't like he had. You know, you mean you see what I mean? It was a, it was a, there was a, there was less talent. Now, granted, it was NFL talent, but it was a terrible team. Like it's really hard to be good in the NFL on terrible teams. So, here here's what uh, this is this is kind of a long way to get to this point. But 
there's more to it. We just saw uh, – we've seen it with – I'll pick two quarter. – there's a lot of quarterbacks that – I don't care if it's Carson Wentz, who's really struggled. Um, I don't care if it's uh, uh, Dwayne Haskins, who, who's had a, a rough go of it as of late. Uh, Jameis Winston. Um, Sam Darnold. Uh, to pick another one, a highly you know touted guy that a lot of people thought was a, a surefire hit in the NFL. I mean, there's tons of them. I don't care if it's Mitchell Trubisky who may be you know, having a chance at having a comeback right now. Like, there's a lot of quarterbacks that die in the NFL. It is very, very difficult. What happens to some of these guys and what's going to matter more than anything, one of the things that I, I put a check mark next to, next to Justin Fields and, and, and uh, Trevor Lawrence, they wanted to play football. They both were going to be high draft picks based on what they've done. They both could have sat out this year. You see what I mean? They both could have sat out this year and still been in the exact same place. Matter of fact, Justin Fields has probably hurt himself up to this point because he was so good and the expectations were so high this year that he may have come back down to earth a little bit. And so I think this game matters a ton for him. Um, for his draft stock, because like you said, some other some people are saying, hey, Zach Wilson may, who by the way had an amazing year, he may jump up, who knows. Trevor Lawrence at this point is the guy. What if Justin Fields comes out and has a four-touchdown game where he runs well and, and, and Trevor Lawrence throws a couple of picks? Sure. And they, they lose. Like, it, it, it does matter. But So what I'm getting at is I think you check a character box – of two athletes that want to play football no matter what because they both could have sat out this year. They both could have declared for the draft. But these guys were both leading the we want to play, right? Think back to the the, the bad news bears. You know, let them play. Let them play. I know that was a little bit before your time, <laughs> but I, I'm sure you've seen it. Have you seen it? Yeah, man, I've seen bad news bears. Come on. Well, there's several of them. I don't even remember which one it was. It was the one they were playing in the Astrodome. It wasn't the first one. The let them play one, but anyway, whatever. Um, the idea is is that I think that's awesome because I think what matters as much as anything in the NFL, are you going to get a gym rat? Are you going to get – there's a reason why Roethlisberger, Breeze, Brady, Phillip Rivers – like you, those old guys that supposedly can't play anymore because they can't move. You know, I hear it every every week. You you have to be a mobile quarterback to be successful. Okay, um, here's some examples of how that may not be true. You have to be able to throw to be successful in the NFL, and if you can run too, a la Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, then you have a chance to be a Hall of Famer, right? But even the guys that can't run, those guys I just mentioned, Hall of Famers, Philip Rivers, maybe, but. But, but, but he has a chance. But, but, like, those dudes are awesome. Why? Because they live and breathe football. They don't get their first big paycheck in the NFL and be like, I've made it. They're like, no, I want to be great. So, so that's what the hard part about recruiting quarterbacks, like, in, in the NFL is. is like, which one of these guys is the money a byproduct of their success or was making the money – them being a success. I don't know if that, I don't know if I said that right, but did that make sense? Like, like some people, as soon as they get that, I'm a millionaire now, I'm a success. Other people are like, oh, I'm only going to be a success if I'm great. And then yeah. they're going to make money along the way anyway. Right? Like those guys make money anyway. Like I always said, like Tiger Woods is always a great example. He wanted to rip your freaking heart out. <laughs> every time he plays, every time he plays, it doesn't matter. If you ever watch, you hear stories about Phil Mickelson, like, and how much he bets 
like on the side, and I don't know if that's true or not, those dudes want to beat you no matter what. I don't care if nobody's watching and there's no cameras on. You see what I'm getting at? If you get to the NFL, you can't tell me that that Tom Brady or or Peyton Manning or or Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes or these guys that are great or Aaron Rodgers, they want to win. They absolutely want to win. Yeah, they want to make a lot of money too. They're not stupid, but man, they, they care. And some of these guys maybe aren't mature enough and don't make the right decisions and their careers don't last very long. By the way, uh, you mentioned Tiger Woods. You know he had a birthday the other day. 45 years old. I know. Does that, well, make, you, Phil, does that make you feel old? Phil's my age, dude. He's, I mean, I'm turning 50 this year or the next year, April. And uh, it's funny because, you know, um, it's, yeah, these guys are, I, I say this all the time. There's there's a lot of people that, that you know, I watched in my heyday and were kind of you know, we're, we're getting, I don't think 49's old for any stretch of the imagination. Like, you know, but at the same time, he feels 45 and I mean, I mean 50 and, and Tiger's 45. That's crazy. Ern, Ernie and Phil are on the senior tour when they want to be. It's crazy to me. It's just a number, big guy. Just remember that. It's just a hey, number. I, I, I'm, I'm my golf game. As long as my golf game, if, I shot in the seventies more this summer than I'm, that I have in a long time. I, I, I had a very good summer of golf. Well, I, Maybe I, it was because I wasn't traveling as much for football. I don't know. I, I Again, I, I don't know why you're playing the senior tees. Like, I, you know, you're not that old. <laughs> we play the blues. We, You know what? We play the blues, and I will – I will. I, every once in a while I play with people because I don't care. I'm like, I'm not a snob. If someone wants to play the blacks, I don't hit it that far anymore. I'm like, that just makes the game no fun. I don't want to be hitting, you know, five irons into every green. I, I would much rather have a, a mid-range iron or a wedge. But if someone wants to play the whites, and if you haven't played the whites in a long time and you're a pretty good player, it's really fun. It's a different game. Because you're hitting you're hitting sandwiches into a lot of these greens or even, you know, you could it's a different game. It, 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 that's why like on the when you watch the pros that can that can bomb it. They're, it's a different game. I don't know about you, but I am much better into a green with an eight iron or less than I am with a, a six iron. Yeah, that's much golf. better. That's golf. Much better. Yeah, much better. That's golf. When my dad comes up, we play. You know, we only play maybe once or twice a year. But yeah, yeah, he's not playing the the blues. So you right. know, we we play the whites, and it's like he's like, you know, I'm like, Dad, I, I gotta wait. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, those. They, I'm not. I, I'm not a very yes. long player, but at the same time, it's like those guys need to be maybe off the green before we hit this tee ball. And he's like, is your you dad mean? the type? Of, is your dad the guy that says, just come on, just hit the ball? Like, is he in a hurry when he plays? Well, golf? he taught me how to play. Like growing up, he was, you know, right. we, so he was with me. I learned the hard way, and and it didn't get out of hand. But like, I've had to go up and apologize to people because I've hit into them before, and that's a terrible feeling. It's a horrible feeling. So yes. I I have learned, hey man, it's better to just err on the side of caution. Like, what's the rush? Like, we're yeah, out, you're not I, going anywhere. Yeah. In fact, I I play with a couple of guys who 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 like to push it. You know, like, hey man, I'm just I'm gonna send them a message, and I'm like, I, don't do that. Like, the, yeah. nothing is nothing good is gonna come from that at all. And uh, so yeah, anyway, but. Look, man, the weather has changed here in the Carolinas. It is winter, so golf season is is on hiatus here. Uh, let, let's get some score predictions, shall we? Um, I offered Cerber earlier in the week. I said, hey, buddy, you and I are going to make our score predictions as well, and we can wait until Friday's show with Felder to give them out. So, so Cerber, I, before we, we get Wayne's on-the-record picks, do you – 
Do you want to give yours? I mean, you want to you want to walk the plank, or you want to wait until Friday? What do you think? I'm waiting. That's the people must wait. Okay, okay. Well, then the people shall wait. That's fine. I just, how are you feeling, man? Like, are you? Serber has Clemson winning both games in one weekend. They're just going to play so well against Ohio State that it's over, and they're going to cancel the season, and the Alabama players are going to opt out. That's what's going to happen. And Dabo's just going to keep talking smack on everybody. You might want to tune into Friday's episode. <laughs> there you go. Hey, hey, you know what, dude? Cerber, since you're here, it, Dabo's Dabo's like on fire, dude. He's 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 absolutely just this whole Ohio State take on them not playing enough games is on every show. Can, it's can it's, I, it's everywhere. Can I be honest with you? Yeah, I stopped listening to Dabo after we won our first national championship. Like he can say whatever he wants. It's fine. You know what Dabo is care. like, Wayne. Like you know what he is like. He's and and Cerber, I mean, if you're going to be offended by this, like you might be. That's fine. Feel free. Nothing to, offends to me. push Come back on. on it. He's he's kind of a goober, man. Like he's yeah. just he's he's kind of <laughs> he's a dingleberry. Yeah, he's uh, just you know the, the the whole all shucks routine has kind of turned. You know, and look, winning will do that, but. Yeah. At this point, he's just kind of he, he's embraced he's embraced being the heel, but you know he's still I mean, he's he's a goober man, and that's fine. Like it works for him. Like the guy is still an elite recruiter. He's still a heck of a football coach, and he's not going anywhere anytime soon. You you know it's funny. I was I was listening to I was listening to Roddy, our, our, our buddy, uh, on um, he was on with uh, Brock Heward on. Uh, I listened to ESPNU. Yeah, we, 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 you, listen, you listen to it all, man. We know. I do. I, li- I listen to it a lot, and, and I was I was happy to see Roddy on with, with, with Brock. And um, someone brought up the point, because they were talking about this, and they brought up the point, and I've said this a million times, this is why I think that every conference should play the same number of conference games. Because they, someone asked, like, do you really think it matters? And Ohio State probably is one of the top four teams, right? Like, just talent-wise, just eye test-wise. But – only playing six games, it, it really is – there's a couple ways you can look at it. You can look at it from a rhythm perspective, like you get better as the as as you the, the more you play sometimes. But as – I believe it was Roddy that pointed this out. Like anybody that's ever played a full season, like and I, I even point this out my, my championship year, my, my junior year, when we played SC at the end of the season, like there are moments in the game, like if you watch the film where I'm rolling out, like my leg actually – like my reconstructed Joe Burrow – ACL, MCL, knee, uh. buckled, buckled twice. Like I actually am throwing a ball near the goal line in the biggest game of my life, and you can see my right knee just give out. This was a year after I, uh, a week after missing a game because I had internal bleeding from a from a safety blitz that bruised my my kidney. Like it's hard. Like you have you have players that go through the and they play an extra game now. Seasons are 12 games, and if you play in the conference championship, that's 13. And if you play in both playoff games, that's 15. Like, and there's not a break. Like, normally, what's the difference this year between the break between the, the these games and the end of the season? It's a couple of weeks, right? It hasn't really been I mean, we much. had conference championship games on December 19th. Yeah. So not right? even two weeks. So, so you know, having – this whole idea of a, you know, like you, you, you're gonna, you're gonna have like a, the, the season takes a toll. Let's just put it that way. It absolutely takes a toll. So if you're, if if you're Dabo, you know, I get what I, I actually believe it or not, I get what he's saying. I don't know why he needed to say it, because I don't know who it helps. 
You know, I don't believe. And in this game, I don't think bulletin board material really matters. Like, Ohio State's going to magically come out even more intense for a playoff game than they would have before. Right. You know, it's like whatever. It's like that seems stupid. People love to talk about that stuff in the media. But I'm like, I never actually looked at a bulletin board in my life and said, that guy said what? Unbelievable. I can't believe it. I'm going to kick his ass right now because he said that. That's just stupid. I mean, it's like I already want to kick his ass anyway, right? Because they're on the other side of the field. So I, I don't always get that stuff. I know that, that people play into it. It's like when the guys say, I have a chip on my shoulder now. So you're going to try to be greater than you were because people, like, you know, when they don't get drafted where they think, like, I'm going to prove to everybody that they made a huge mistake. Well, it's like you should probably do that anyway. Like, even if they – you know what I mean? It's just I don't get that stuff, but that's just me. But I, I, I don't th- – but I do get the idea that Ohio State maybe didn't have enough games to get where they need to be, which is probably why they're not playing as well as they would have if they'd had a full season. But they also got to play less games, so maybe that didn't beat them up as much. So, you know, who knows? There's a lot of different ways to look at this. Are you just stalling because you don't want to give me score predictions? I'm on, I've been thinking the whole time. You know I can't do two things. I'm not a multitasker, so this is going to be interesting. I, I But I, I'll tell you who's going to win. It's going to be Alabama and Clemson, but I would love to see it be Notre Dame and Ohio State. Okay, you're, you're hedging all over the place here. All I'm asking for <laughs> are score predictions. Let's start with the Rose Bowl. Alabama-Notre Dame, as Phil explained earlier, uh, Alabama is right around a 19.5, 20-point favorite. So, Wayne, give me the score on Alabama and Notre Dame. I would I, – I, I can't imagine – I think Notre Dame, it's going to be like 21. Let's, let's – I think Alabama scores 38. I think 38-21. That would be they a just modest – That'd be a modest day at the office for the Tide. That, that's just – that's I know because Notre Dame's – and that's crazy because you have to take into account Notre Dame's defense is really good. Like, you, I, you're a Heisman voter, right? Yes, sir. Okay, you, you do realize what the betting market has done with the Heisman race, right? No. Like, in the last – Okay, so going into the SEC, going into the championship weekend, uh, Mac Jones had overtaken Kyle Trask as the betting favorite for the odds for the for the Heisman Trophy. Well, since then, teammate Devontae Smith has jumped Mac Jones. Right, 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 right. So right. Devontae Smith is like a one to two favorite to win right. the Heisman Trophy, um, yeah. which would be awesome because wide receivers don't. I mean, they just they don't win this award. So, yeah. um, you've got Alabama 38-21 over the Irish. Okay, we'll lock that in. Uh, Sugar Bowl, New Year's Day, 8 o'clock. Brew some coffee. I mean, this game's not going to kick until about 8.30. It's prime time for me, baby. Score, please. This is going to be higher scoring, wouldn't you think? It's your score. You tell me. Let's go. Let's go. Let's keep these scores similar. Let's go 38 31 Clemson. Wow. Okay. Come back Friday for me and Cerberus. Hey, and, and, and by the way, the, the whole Heisman thing, th- this is what's crazy about it. You go with who's the best player in the country. And I, I've been saying Trevor Lawrence uh, missed a couple games. That was hard. That was, that was a hard, that was a hard thing to weigh into. Um, you look at Devontae Smith. He may be. He may he may be. You can make a good argument for him being the best player in the country. 
I really like Najee Harris, but but he benefits from a, an, an elite offense. Like I think he been. I think sometimes receivers, you're out on an island all by yourself. Now, granted, if you have a running game, these kind of they 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 all all three of these players benefit from each other because if you have to stop the run, you have to. You, sometimes you have to play man, right? You and if you don't play man and you play zone and you try to stop the pass, then you have to deal with the run. Then when you throw in play action pass, and I do like. Uh, I do like Mac Jones. I do like his release. I think it's quick. I do think I get – I say this a lot with quarterbacks. They throw off their back foot a lot. Sometimes I catch him doing that. Um, but he does get rid of the ball quickly. He does process quickly. I'm not sure what he's going to be in the NFL. That's a tricky call because it, it, there's a lot of, uh, you know, what goes on to like, like who he is as a person because I don't think his skill set is, like, ridiculous. I think it's good, though. I think he's got a strong arm. He gets rid of the ball quick. He's got touch. He's got accuracy. But I kind of feel like the most talented player on their team is probably Devontae Smith. Like, I, I, do you agree with that or disagree with that? I mean, yeah, him or Najee. I mean, here's the thing. I, know. I, I, I had a chance. But who to, do you think's going to be better in the NFL? I think Not that that matters. That think, doesn't matter at all. I think the NFL has become a wide receiver league. So right. I, I'm going to give the edge to Devontae. Right. Here's the thing, man. Like, being on the sidelines of the SEC championship and seeing these dudes. Like, Devontae Smith is listed at 6'1", 175. Right. You know, that that's what he's listed at. I'm saying he's more like 5'11", maybe 6 feet. Um, he looks like he weighs 150 pounds. Like, right. I, I mean, he is, he is skinny. You know, like, his nickname yeah. is, is the Slim Reaper. <laughs> and, and and for good reason, because he doesn't, you know, I mean, you think about some of the wide receivers that have come out of Alabama, like Julio Jones, who is, you know, a robot. I mean, that guy is built like Adonis, okay? And and even, right. you know, even like Amari Cooper and, and the big bodied, tall, muscular, just yoked wide receivers. And then Devontae Smith, who is a stud. Like, I'm not, in in no way am I slighting him because of his physical build, but he's just a different cat. Like, he's on that Deshaun yeah. Jackson mold where he's he's tiny, but it's all quick twitch. Like, everything yeah, De- is Deshaun just... Deshaun Jackson's had a career of injuries, too. Yeah, he has. He's been banged up, but when, he was, when, when he's been healthy in the NFL, he's torched yep. people. Yep. And Devontae Smith is the same guy. So... Yeah. I mean, it's 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 just amazing, and I think Felder said this on our show a couple weeks ago, but Alabama's got so many different ways to just murder you offensively yep. because if they want to just take the air out of the ball and pound it, um, they, they can pick up six, seven yards of carry on you. Like, And, and so that's why I'm curious to By see how way, Notre is, Dame is, chooses to, to, to handle this. Like, what Do you just blitz the daylights out of Alabama? Like, do you just try to get Mac Jones off the spot? Because if you, you know do, what's coming if you can't get to him. Yeah, if you do that, you have to you have to be able to stop the quick hitters. I mean, because because I think I think Jones is good enough at at getting rid of the ball. Like you have to be able to like you you know because you can do a couple things on blitzes. You can always throw a fade. You can always throw a slant. You can always throw just a a, a quick hitch, a quick hitter. There's a lot of ways you can you can release a you can you can release a back and just say don't pick up the blitzer and just you know and you, you throw it to him right away. There's a lot of things that you can do and I would say that you know we didn't even talk about this but the offensive you know the 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 assistant coach of the year I believe was Sarkeesian. Um, so they they they've got a, a great offensive mind. 
playing with the best toys in the business. And I brought this up earlier. Has there ever been another team like where was Najee in the in the in the in the for the finalists? I know he was outside of the the top four that are going. I think Trask was four. Uh, was Najee fifth? Was he next? Who who is who is? Do you know? Because I can't think of a time when one team has had three in the top whatever for the for the Heisman. That's that's crazy. Yeah, uh, it it's. It's just been a special year, so um, I don't. I'm looking this up as we speak. I know this isn't great radio. I I don't have the. I don't have it in front of. No, me. I I don't even know, but I can't imagine. I mean, to be honest with you, this is a, this is an example and and uh, of of the rich right now, and and I, I hear a lot of people talking about this too. The the elite teams are so much better than than most everybody else. That you know we have playoff games every year, and again I know. Well, then why are you always talking about expansion? Well, the same teams are still going to be, you know, we, we just have a huge gap. And when you think about three, the best offensive line in football mixed with three Heisman Trophy candidates at skill positions, that's stupid. Yeah, like that's crazy. That's like that's like they're billionaires, and everybody else is, you know, making you know five hundred thousand. Yeah, it's like the line in the Social Network. You know what's cooler than a million dollars? A billion dollars. And you know, I always bl- and that's Alabama and Clemson and Ohio w- State right now. W- when I teach, I always blow my kids' minds away when I say the difference between a billion and a million. If you've been alive for a billion seconds or a million seconds, let's start with that. If you've been alive for a million seconds, it's like around eleven days. If you've been alive for a billion seconds, it's like thirty point something years. Mind blown, Wayne. Phenomenal. Right. I mean, that's crazy crazy hey enjoy your new years enjoy the games uh and enjoy doing your rose bowl show from your office inside your house (laughs) instead of you know in the sun outside of lot h at the rose bowl in pasadena looking out at like you know ten thousand people so it's going to be a different type of environment but hey buddy happy new year thanks for rocking it with us here on csn we'll do it again next week as we get ready for the natty all right Perfect, buddy. I can't wait. I will be listening for your for your picks. Well, there you go. That's all. That's all you can ask for. We're back on Friday with our man Felder at CS Now tweets on Twitter. Thanks to Phil Steele on behalf of Cerber and Wayno. I'm Hartzell. Talk to you guys Friday. See you. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate, not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois.